everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We are recording this on the 4th of July, which is not the first time we have recorded on the 4th of July. Nope. Might be the last time. You might hear some fireworks because America. The last time? Are we ending? (laughs) No, it just always, we always end up recording on the 4th of July. And then we always forget fireworks. No, you're right. We've only been going for four years and it feels like we've done it three out of the four. Absolutely. Wow. I I agree. So this episode is called As Darkness Fell. And it's a repeat because Dateline was a repeat again because summer, because Olympics and girls swimming. I don't know what's happening. That was a big. Oh, that's a big one. Big boy. So (laughs) (laughs) overcompensating for something with that one. So this episode is season 19, episode 57. I believe it's on Peacock. It is. It aired on April 22nd, 2011, hosted by the birthday boy, Keith Morrison. His birthday is on July 2nd. Oh, someone else shares a birthday in July. Who? Someone famous. Who? Starts with a K. Oh, it's you. Ends with an R. Rhymes with timber. <laughs> okay, does that help? Yeah. Great. So we start with, well, at least on my version, because I was on TV, I had Lester Holt with no glasses, which I don't think it was on Peacock. Oh, yes, it was. It was. Okay. It's the first thing I wrote down because I was like, who is this man? Whenever Lester Holt wears no glasses, it's like watching someone do a school presentation on the life of Lester Holt and they're dressed up like Lester Holt, like when someone dresses up like Ben Franklin. Okay. Or a wax figure of Lester Holt in a museum. Yeah, I can see that. It also feels like when you're a little kid and you're used to seeing your dad only in glasses and and your dad takes them off real quick to rub between his eyes and you're like, who are you, sir? It's that jarring. It's the Clark Kent Superman effect. Or when my dad shaved his facial hair and I ran away and cried and went talk to him for three days. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very upsetting. You were 15? (laughs) Yeah, 16. Around there. So, Lester, <laughs> stick with the glasses. We love you with the glasses. Yeah, but he's got to, you know, he's just trying out his contacts. He has to air out his face. Yeah, sure. So, you made a fit gesture like... I did. I did. Like a fan. Yeah. Yeah, no. he had to air out his... The glasses were hot. So, we open with a barrage of Keith pros oh. that he throws right at us. We are in the middle of something that has already started. Mm-hmm. We are mere guests in the play that is halfway through its first act. And we arrived late because our husband wouldn't stop for directions. So we creep (laughs) into our seats, quiet as mice, to not disturb the performers who are no doubt already disturbed by our tardiness. Right. Absolutely. I was trying to do a Keith Morrison thing there. That was pretty good, actually. I feel like that's how he would start an episode. It wasn't bad. He says, twilight, the day going fast now, night eating up the meadow, the wild black wood. When did she know? Now, as she steadied herself in the truck bed? Or was it hours ago in the September sunlight? Did she know already back at the camp in the morning? Or was it later, much later, when they showed her the evidence and darkness swallowed them all? This is like listening to a Joni story because who is she? Keith, you never told us who she is, honey. What are you talking about? He does that all the time, though. He's setting the scene. You've got to just roll with it. We're not going to be given everything at once. He's teasing it out. It's the more I like it more linear where it's like so-and-so lived in so-and-so and and the year is so-and-so makes it easier for my notes instead of spending 20 minutes 
on a story with a vague she and never knowing who that she is. Yeah, well, we do find out quickly, but I like the mystery because we don't get it all the time. So I was into it. Okay. They call it The Rock, this great, gorgeous island. And now I'm stopping writing down everything Keith says because I'll never be able to finish this episode. But all you need to know is it's called The Rock. Not to be confused with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. he. I can't think of a single movie he starred in. Dad, Daddy Daycare? No, he's not in Daddy Daycare. Is that a movie? Is yeah. Is it What's that movie with the earthquake? The <laughs> There's a movie with earthquake. Is it called Earthfire? No, that was a short story that I wrote. What? <laughs> Freshman year of high school. Oh my gosh. It's really good. I thought it was going to be like my novel. Okay, we're going to have to read that on Patreon. So you need to look for it. Oh no, that's lost. That's long lost. It's gone. It burned in a fire, ironically. Okay. So we are in Newfoundland, Canada. <gasps> Canada. In honor of the 4th of July, we are leaving the States. F you, America. We're going to Canada. Will I still love Canada after this episode? Yes. I. there's the rub. We don't know. Keith's homeland. I was excited that he was on his stomping ground and he seemed like completely comfortable. It yeah, fit he right is. in. Seemed yeah, totally it's in right. his blood. Yeah. Now he asked us, had crime, vicious crime, been imported to Newfoundland along with machinery and plastics? Yes, I looked up what the U.S. exports to Canada because I'm a professional. And it's machinery and plastics. That sounded great. I'm impressed. But before we spend time in the land of moose and poutine, Mm -hmm. we have to head south. We have to go to rural Pennsylvania. Okay. I've been there. Your homeland now. Your new homeland. Is it? It's not yet. It hasn't been a year and I haven't been out much. So, And I've been traveling for a month. So there you go. Mark Harshberger. Mark, it was hard because of Marge Heldenberg. I couldn't. Yeah. No, this is Mark Harshbarger. Barger. Who maybe also solves CSI crimes. I'm unsure. He was married to the love of his life, Mary Beth. She told her friend Madge, how much do I love the name Madge? And she's like an older lady. Madge is not her mom. kind of adorable. Madge is not Mary Beth's mom. Friend. Yeah, I had that wrong from the jump. I have mom here. And then I found out later it was the friend. But it, a friend I mean, it that could have been several ge- decades older, yeah. but still friend. And adorable. And she's adorable. She told Madge, this guy's the one. He told everyone he's obsessed with Mary Beth. Super in love. Over the moon, he was. No, I'm sorry. Over the moon, was he. There we go. When Keith gets really poetic, what was the thing from before was old fashioned was Moundville. Yeah, exactly. He loves to do that. <laughs> so Mark was an expert hunter. This is going to be a hunting episode, guys. The whole thing, hunting, lots of hunting. Kimberly is going to not state her opinion on hunting. I'm going to make a joke that might be untoward. You can take it out, Adam. But trigger warning. Because you're hunting. I'm sorry. It, that's totally maybe not cool to say that because it is a very real thing. But it's just too. It's too much. I, that's funny. Know. So, Mark was an experienced hunter. He learned at his daddy's knee, and so uh, we don't like that for some reason. Katie doesn't like it, and so was Mary Beth. They were both amazing shots, and then we see their wedding picture. Oh my! Which is them. Yeah. Mary Beth in a huge poofy wedding dress mm-hmm. shooting rifles. 
And where is he? Is he the person in the chair? He's the person sitting, like loading a rifle. So he doesn't get his face shown in the wedding photo. But he's not in a tux. Well, he's in a changed. She still wanted to stay in her dress. He's in a T-shirt, Kimberly, because I didn't know that was him. She wore a white poofy princess dress and he wore a he wore a T-shirt like a course. Have you seen what some of these people wore on Dateline in this episode? We're going to see lots of camo on this Dateline. Yeah, it didn't match. It just was it surprised me. Maybe that wasn't him. And her the wedding photo is her with another hunter. Well, I'm wondering if like he's taking the video, the picture or something like that, because it seemed very strange or he's like kind of off to the side. She's shooting first and he's going to shoot later because they just the guy in the chair, I think he's even in a baseball hat. It doesn't match at all. It was confusing. Honestly, as much as I hate hunting, this photo did not make me any more uncomfortable than most couples awkward wedding photos. It was pretty great because the bar is really low. I love it when a couple has a thing that they want to nerd out on, though, like a Star Wars theme. And then that's their wedding photo. You do you. So as their love grows, so did their love of rifles. And they collected a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. They also had children. But their first love, killing animals. Correct. Yeah. So summer of 2006, they planned a hunting trip to Newfoundland. The night before they left... Mark said to his dad, boy, you should see Mary Beth. She can shoot these little pill bottles at 250 yards. Remember that for later, folks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They take the kids and Mark's brother, Barry. Remember that for later, folks. Yeah. Up there. Barry of the infamous toilet seat facial hair. Is that what we called it? Yeah. I didn't notice the facial hair because I was distracted. By his outfit choice. By his Dateline interview outfit that he chose. Yeah, Yeah, which we'll get to in Fashion Police. Okay, we're not discussing it yet. You guys have to, you have to wait. Stay tuned. We're going to specifically say what he's wearing in our Fashion Police. He's wearing his hobby on his chest. So they go up to Newfoundland. They start shooting right away. They hire a guide who takes them hunting. They shot at Caribou and Mark shot a black bear who will never go home to his little bear children. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it. People at the lodge thought that Mark and Mary Beth were so affectionate, calling out I love you to each other, even when they would just go to the bathroom for a second, which is too much and a red flag to me. I wrote that I would like to start doing that in our relationship. (laughs) Ours or you and Oliver? You and me. Okay. So get used to it. It's going to get real awkward and then it's going to become normal. At first it'll be awkward and then it'll feel natural. But then it loses all its meaning if it's just a... I just want you to know. And so I'm just going to say it all the time. So that you can always say the last thing I said was. That is absolutely correct. Because after this episode, we don't know when it's going to happen. So let's just go with that. So day six of their trip, early evening, they went out on a late hunt where it was getting dark out those fireworks i'm sorry it's hilarious that this is the episode we're doing when it literally sounds like gunshots are going going off i'm so sorry if you were triggered by this but like out of your window and mine it's a barrage it's but it's kind of perfect this was actually did you do that on purpose or was it no i did not it's a very funny coincidence but if fireworks are triggering to you i do apologize this might not be the episode for you 
some people are triggered by fireworks and I totally understand. Oh. So on day six, they go on this early evening hunt. They drop off Barry to go hunt by himself. Remember that for later. I have a theory. Ooh. Mark and the guide got out and went into the woods. Now they were going to scare out a bear so that Mary Beth could shoot one because she hadn't killed a bear yet. So she put the kids in the cab because that's where a little girl and a six-month-old baby belong. Was it a six-month-old baby? Very young child. Oh, yes. okay, okay. Isn't the gun loud? No, I bet I bet they put earmuffs on them. I okay. really hope they've had earmuffs on. They have to, because it'll mess their hearing up. I hope so. She gets in the bed of the truck. She gets out her light-enhancing rifle scope. Remember that for later. And she waited. She saw movement. A bear? She lined up her shot and took it. But it wasn't a bear. Wait, I need to say that line. Do, do that. You need to say that line as dramatic as you can. Mm. Say it like Keith. But it wasn't a bear. That was pretty good. But it wasn't a bear. That was like Batman. That was Batman. I feel like that's the most dramatic it can possibly be. But it wasn't a bear. But it wasn't. Or was it? Uh. We just said it wasn't. Dot, dot, dot. But maybe it was. Bear. We don't know. We don't know. We know. I mean, we do know because we know it wasn't a bear. You guys, she shot her husband. If you if you haven't reached that conclusion yet, I'm not doing a very good job. At we know that Mark was not long for this world the minute this episode started. Hey, you know, what's a fun hobby where no one dies except for cartoon slugs. Best fiends. It is best fiends. Yeah. I plan to spend my summer playing best fiends outside on my lounge chair instead of inside on my couch and eating watermelon instead of soup. Not a lot changes for me in the summer. Hmm. I still want to play Best Fiends every day. Sometimes for just a few minutes when I need a break from working, I'll play one level and then I go back to working theoretically or for longer when I'm stressed and it's like self-care for me, truly. Like if I'm biting my nails, I go play Best Fiends and I can't bite my nails. I've tried other games on my phone and I get bored so quickly because they're super repetitive. They are the Dateline equivalent of, oh, the husband did it. It's like the same thing. But Best Fiends is constantly changing things up with different graphics and challenges and themes. I'm on level 2040, which is Whoa. the year that I might stop playing Best Fiends. Wow. I'm going to give it 20 more years and see if I get bored. Uh-huh. It probably won't happen. Did I mention it's free to download? I can't say enough good things. That's awesome. Get on the Best Fiends train. I also want to thank White Ford Focus on Twitter, who's also a lovely Patreon of ours, who explained to me that the worms help kill the slugs, which doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't play the game. But trust me, it was a game changer and I'm embarrassed I didn't realize it sooner. Mm. How did I get to 2040 without realizing it? Oh, you must be that good. That I can do it without the worms. You don't need the worms. Yeah. I don't know. Who cares? Worms? Worms are superfluous. That was a weird noise. It was. It was good. I was trying to do a And it came out, that you opened your lips too wide. I don't know. Something happened. It's fine. Something. There was too much moisture. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) But Best Fiends, love it. Still obsessed with it. Also, tell me what your player code is and we can become friends and send each other little gifts on the game. It's super fun. And we talk about it on Twitter a lot. I love Best Fiends. So download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Ooh, you're my best fiends. There we go. 
Okay. Best Fiends, you're the best. Thank you, Best Fiends. Thank you, Best Fiends. So now the hunting guide, he stopped to relieve himself. Remember that. Remember that P. You are giving us a lot of remembering. I hope everyone's taking notes. We should have warned you at the beginning. Take out a pen. Get your pad and paper. Yeah. This was the P that changed a family forever, though. Oh, boy. The P that will go down in infamy. Downstream in infamy. There you go. And so Mark walked to a clearing where Mary Beth was waiting. Unsure why he walked to the clearing, if he was lost in the brush or... Because he knew that that's where she was waiting for them to rustle out a bear. And now we see Keith walking through this brush. Like enveloped in the brush. This is my favorite part of the episode, by the way, this moment right now. He's like over rocks and fallen logs and four foot tall grass. And he's just in it. He's a nature man, Keith. And then he tells us what it's called. Did you get that? No. Oh, he's like... This kind of whatever the brush is called, this kind of brush is called the skitters. It's the skitters, yeah, skitters in the rut. Skitters. Yeah. It made me skitterish. I couldn't, I didn't like it. Quote, skitters in the rut. I don't understand those words, but they make sense when you see the environment he's in. I'm like, okay, yeah, skitters. Skitters I in the rut. I feel like skitters was the name for some sort of alien thing on an alien show I watched. And for that reason alone, I did not like it. It might have been the show. With Noah Wiley. Oh, that show. Okay, okay, okay. It might have been that show. And so Skitters makes me think of these crawling alien things that are going to eat my brain. Okay, I get that. It also kind of sounds like code, though. If you think about it, somebody on a walkie, we've got Skitters in the rut. Skitters in the rut at 12 o'clock. Yeah. And we don't know what a Skitter is. Maybe it's a black bear. I don't know. No, but But a Skitter in a rut could also be a bored alien. That's just doing the same routine all the time, playing a puzzle game that is not as that is not best fiends changing things up like best fiends does. There we go. And they're in a rut, and that go. happens. To the best of us skitters. <laughs> so, Mark is about two hundred feet away from his wife in the truck. Now, I gave it a bing. Two hundred feet is sixty-seven yards, and remember, she can shoot a pill bottle. At 250 yards. She can shoot a pill bottle one time at 250 yards, and they're going to pretend like it's every time. He said she can shoot them all. She can go boom, boom. That's how he made it sound. Do we think that he was embellishing? No, because they were in competitions and stuff. She was incredibly talented. Yeah. I don't think they were exaggerating. Hmm. Okay. So the guide heard the shot. He rushed over and he found Mark's body. And he goes to Mary Beth and he says, what did you shoot at? And she said, a bear. Did I get him? And he said, no, you got Mark. And it thought that seemed a little sarcastic for the situation. Like a hair. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like, was that shade? Tiny bit. She just shot her husband. Or did he do it really dramatically? Like, no. You shot Mark. I'm just hoping that's not the way the conversation went because the conversation, he sounds very dry and not appropriate. It's inappropriate. No, you shot Mark, girlfriend. Yeah, it's a little like. How did you say it? So now Mary Beth is apparently freaking out. She's trying to run to the body. The kids are crying because they shouldn't have been out there anyways. And they find Barry 
And she's crying and saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is what Barry tells us. Now they call the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yay. The Mounties. We didn't get to see any Mounties. Very disappointed. That's okay. I like to see my Mounties. Yeah, me too. Okay. So they said that Mary Beth appeared to be in shock and they interview her. She says, I saw a black bear with my naked eye. Then I looked in my scope and I was looking and looking and I fired and I heard this God awful scream, which makes sense because she hit him mid chest. Why did she ask if she hit a bear when she heard the scream? Strange. Do bears make a noise when they're shot? Probably. But not like that. Not a human blood curling scream. Yeah. That's strange to me. A lot of things are strange about this. Also, the fact that she says she was looking and looking, like making it seem like she really was looking in her scope for a while before she shot. And also that she hit him square in the chest in a a kill shot. Yeah. That's shocking to me because that, I mean, you got to be aiming for that, right? Yeah, but she would be if it was a bear. Yeah, I guess. And she's a good shot. Yeah, okay. So they say, you weren't able to see him clearly. And she says, I thought I could. I saw a clear bear. In my scope, it was a bear. And Keith says, a little late for this conclusion. Was that, it was so much shade. A little late for this conclusion. She says, I think it was too dark to shoot. I shouldn't have taken the shot. No doy. She really does not sound upset that we're hearing this interview. This is an actual recorded interview. And she sounds like she's just having a conversation about something that happened years before. Yeah, I really shouldn't have taken the shot. She's a little rueful. Like sometimes she has a smirk on her face when they ask her questions. She's like, "Mm, no, it was my husband. Mm." Her reaction seems very strange to me in this. Yes, but a lot of people have strange reactions, so we try not to judge. I thought that she seemed very removed. She was in that kind of shock. Dissociated. Right. This happened to someone else, so she's telling someone else's story. It's that plain, the way she's telling it. It's not emotional at all. That makes sense. But then she gets a little emotional when they ask about her marriage. They said, do you have any marital problems or affairs? And she says, no, we have the perfect life, the perfect marriage, the perfect family. He was my life. I couldn't wait for him to get home from work. That is what I lived for. Again, calm down. Hey, come on. I'm sorry. But But find me a mother of two small children, one of whom is a baby, who doesn't kind of hate their husband a little bit. And I will show you a liar because... Oh, I'm sure they're out there. You're about to get letters. No one's that happy, guys. You're about to get letters, and rightfully so. Okay, tell me how happy you are. Can't wait to get these letters. And here's the thing. I felt like the minute she said it, though, of course, because of how these episodes always go, I wrote down one or both are having an affair. Right. Absolutely. I'm not going to say that I was wrong, but this episode goes in a very different direction. <laughs> I'm not sure you're wrong. I have thoughts. Okay. So she's she's devastated. Barry is devastated. Barry is Mark's brother that was with them on the trip. Oh my God. The brother's name is Barry. Yeah, his name's Barry. I'm sorry. It just occurred to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is all about shooting black bears and the brother's name is Barry. How ridiculous would it have <laughs> been if she'd actually Barry? shot Barry? You shot a b- and then the guide would have You're been right. like. No, it was a bear. E. e. Yeah. 
Exactly. Oh my God. I can't believe I just put that and together then the, now. Got the hunter, the hunting guide would have looked at the camera really dramatically. Yeah. Oh boy. Like he's on a law and order intro, like a CSI intro where he takes off the sunglasses. Or that hamster. Dun dun dun. <laughs> he looks at the, yeah. So everyone, the family is devastated when they hear about it. Now the guide, when we hear him, he's very monotone. He's acting like this is the third time this season that it happened. Like, well, I lost another one, Johnny. I'm starting to think I'm not a very good hunting guide because this keeps happening to me. Don't blame yourself, Kip. I don't know. What's his name? You were taking a pee. What's his name? Jimmy. Yeah, I said Kip. Can we go with Kip? Kip, sure, Kip. Okay. So the Mounties are looking at this like it's an accident until the phone calls start coming in. All of these phone calls from Mark's family demanding that the police do something, that this was on purpose, that she is bad news, bears. Sorry. (laughs) That was pretty good. It just came out. That was not planned. So the Mounties are getting so many calls from Mark's family that they ask Barry to get his family to stop calling them because they're getting so bombarded with calls that they can't work the case. And you know the calls were a lot because if Canadians are getting annoyed, that's saying something, eh? But we're also, we meet the whole family. We're seeing the family in interviews. There's an older, bro- there's like a brother. How many, there's like two sisters two and a brother? Two older brothers, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's the wife of the one brother, yeah. Yeah. And the okay. dad, we meet the dad. And we meet dad, yeah. Mary Beth and Barry are allowed to drive back to Pennsylvania. She brings home the caribou that they shot and they carve that up for dinner. And the black bear that Mark had killed, she has him stuffed and mounted in honor of Mark. I don't know about that. I don't know. Is it poor taste or is it, I mean, is it a tribute or is it poor taste? Listen, the episode where the woman died suspiciously because they were driving the car and a deer came out in the road and he swerved and she died but really he killed her but then he gets an urn with a deer on it yeah that's right is it a bit like that i mean he loved hunting this was his life so that was his last prized thing i can totally understand that actually i really can if she had framed the bullet that she shot him with because that was her last prize, that would be weird. You're right. This was his last thing, was this big. And it's not cheap, by the way. To get him stuffed? To taxidermy on something that large? No. I'm sure. No, ma'am. His family starts to think that she was not acting right, that she's eerily calm. They're looking for tears. They're waiting for her to say, I'm so sorry. What have I done? I can't believe this. She's never apologizing or saying anything. That's weird. That would drive me insane if I was part of that family. You just say it once. I need to hear you say it once. I know you feel terrible. I need to hear at least once how terrible you feel. I need a rending of garments moment. Yeah, I need an I don't deserve sleeves. Yeah, I want to say it for her because I want it so badly. It's almost like it's a grief, to quote Hamilton, it's a grief too powerful to bear. Oh my God, bear. Uh, I didn't that either. But so it's like almost like you think maybe she feels so badly that she doesn't even need to say it. But it's his family and they deserve to hear 
that she's sorry at least once, right? Yes. They need to feel that she's sorry at the very least, and they don't feel it at all. Not even that she's not saying those words. The most poignant thing was one of them says, everyone grieves differently, but she didn't seem to be grieving at all. Yes, that's the problem. And she doesn't. When you hear the interview alone before you hear all this, you can kind of, like I said, figure she's disassociating or something's happening. But now this is like, oh, okay. So you... You're glad he's gone. Yeah, because you think maybe in a week or two, it'll finally hit her and then she'll, but she never reaches that point, no. apparently. Yeah. So they knew that she was a crap shot. How could she have made this mistake at 200 feet when she's used to shooting things from much farther away? So they, th- and it was an open clearing, although the grass was high. Keep hearing about how high the grass was. The skitter, the skitter was in the, the rut. skitter was yeah. in a rut. Mm-hmm. They think she did it on purpose, especially Mark's brother, Dean, yeah. who was not on the trip. No. Now, he lived with Mark and Mary Beth for a while, and he saw ter- horror, the horrors that he saw in that house. He said she was domineering. They would argue. She had a terrible temper. She would slap Mark. And Keith is horrified by this because he does not condone violence Not at just all. slap him. Oh, and his lip was bleeding. She said he would slap him till his lips bled. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? That's something I've never heard before in my, what are you talking about? Not okay. And she would threaten to kill him. He asked Mark about it. And Mark said, our love is so strong. She could never go through with it. Okay. So this is super dysfunctional. This is so dysfunctional. This is that kind of relationship. He sounds like a battered husband. This makes me like, this makes my stomach hurt a little. And he would defend her. If she got upset, he would take her for rides and calm her down like you do with a baby who has colic. And apparently that would work. And then everyone would pretend that it never happened, that she never had this outburst. And she's a mother. This is concerning. Very concerning. She's a mother who has a full arsenal of weapons. It is a crack shot. Crack shot. Okay. The whole family started to see that how controlling she was. Like she wouldn't allow him to be alone with them, which is what abusers do. We see it all the time with the controlling behavior. She would go on spending sprees. She would disappear for a while. Turns out she was bipolar. And when she didn't take her medication, she was scary. Everyone was scared of her. And he never wanted to admit her anywhere to a hospital because he didn't want her to lose her gun license. Because then she couldn't hunt, and that's what she lived for. I am not going to say my opinion on this. I have strong feelings. I think it was more like this is when they were happiest as a couple. Was when they were hunting? I think that that's probably the main reason he didn't want it taken away, because that would take away the hobby that they did together. And when she probably wasn't upset. Wasn't yelling at him because she was happy because she was killing things. Right. Yeah. I don't think that they're looking at it that way. I don't think that the killing is the point. I think that the whole thing is like the The whole process. It's right. It's the marksmanship. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of. I see. So I don't I think it's exciting because it means you did a good job when that Mm -hmm. happens. Yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's true in her case because of how she acts. But I don't I think for most people that I know that that is a hobby or a sport. That's not the end goal. The end goal, right. No, no. 
That's not what they're thinking about. They're not like, yeah, we're going to go kill those animals. There's a ritual. I understand that. Trust me, I get that. There's a ritual behind it. There's the, a tradition, a family tradition behind it. I do get that. But in her case, it's creepier because there's this other stuff. You hear about anybody in an abusive relationship, which is what this appeared to be. Yeah. And if that's their hobby, you're going to give it an eyebrow raise. So she finally, it became bad enough where she did agree to go to a psychiatric hospital and she only agreed because she could sign the papers herself, which for some reason meant that she could keep her license. However, she blamed him for this and held the grudge for the next year, which is when the accident happened. So the family's thinking she was faking being happy with him for a year which wow. is so weird because from what the family says about their abusive and yelling and then with the people at the cabin, the lodge saw of the I love you, I love you, that concerns me because I think that it was all an act. I feel like this is one of those relationships that, again, makes my stomach hurt because it's either hot or cold. Right. So it's either you're fighting or you're so in love, like disgusting. Which is almost, it's just as bad. All over each other. And then when you fight, it's just tremendously bad. So I think it's, that's the feeling that I got that they're super happy on this trip. But like, if those people at the, whatever, at the cabin had seen them at a different time, they'd be like, oh God, these people shouldn't be together. But they're seeing them at a good point. But I don't know, maybe she was just being sickly sweet all the time that last year. When did Dean live there? We don't know when did he yeah, live there we don't before know exactly she, when she blamed I think him it was before the... the hospital yeah I do think it was before the hospital so I think she had always been like that horrible but they think that this might have been the trigger <laughs> sorry was him putting her in the hospital even though she agreed to it and maybe she was holding on to this grudge for a long time and maybe waiting for the right opportunity to kill him Mm -hmm. And maybe Canada had something to do with that. The laws in Canada. I thought that too. I would like to see internet history, please. Yeah. On her computer, if she owns a computer. Mm -hmm. If she owns a computer. Sorry, I feel like she might not own a computer. She might not own a computer. For real, she might not own a computer. Possible, yeah. So five months before the accident, they increased his life insurance half a million dollars. And he would joke to family and friends, I'm worth more to her dead than alive. A lot of people make that joke, but still. His life insurance only is only concerning. Got, yes, five, five months before. So the Mounties thought that it was an accident and they were so annoyed with the family. And one even told the family, nobody tells me how to do our investigation, eh? And again, a cranky Canadian is something I'd like to see. That's pretty funny. So Keith tells us that the funeral was, to say the least, awkward. Ooh. And Barry said it was like you drew a line in between the family and you had to pick sides. And basically he was the only one on Mary Beth's side. So not long after this accident, two of Mark's friends come forward and said that Mark had told them, I think she's going to shoot me and she won't miss. That's pretty shocking. That's pretty bad. And I wish we could have met these friends. Yeah. And then Keith says, and yet another funny thing. (laughs) This this is all funny things. Fodder. He says, they were stacking up now. Oh boy, were they ever. (laughs) I love Keith. 
Yeah, he's so happy there in Canada. He's excited. So what the other funny thing that was stacking up was that suddenly Barry's 20-year marriage ended. And what did he do next? Well, what in the world was happening? I love when Keith asks a question, doesn't answer it, and then goes to commercial. You're like, what what happened? I knew at this point what was about to happen, and I was still shocked. What, Barry? Barry! I thought that Barry was going to be in for about 30 seconds, I have to say, because of what he's wearing. I was like, okay, so they got him for a quick interview. Right, he didn't have time to change. He's out. We're really going to focus on the other brother and the sister and all this other family. No, ma'am. He's like our main interview. Barry is a major player. And he dressed up for it. I think he did is the thing. I think he did, actually. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I see you. Mm -hmm. Barry was the only one who stood by Mary Beth. And he felt like Dean, the brother, always hated her and was just kind of riling up the family. And it was like a game to him. I think Barry has some issues with his family. I feel like Barry was always the black sheep. And so he feels for Mary Beth, who's kind of also the black sheep, or he likes to be contrary. He's like the brother that likes to do the rebel Mm -hmm. who wants to do the whatever. You guys think this, I'm going to think the exact opposite. And I'm going to be a victim for it. I think it's what the first thing I think he's ticked off at at Dean and maybe a couple of other people in the family. And is like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I think Mm -hmm. it's like kind Mm -hmm. of an F you to the family. Um, these holidays must be wild. So I want to be there at Thanksgiving. I think there's so much stuff in this family. And they deep fry turkey and they throw beers at each other. Or at least one person gets up and leaves in the middle of dinner. Like one I person I think one walks person out. gets stabbed with a fork and they have to make a trip to the ER every single Thanksgiving. Yeah. Or and the precursor to that is someone brings up the thing you're not supposed to talk about. And there's like seven things and somebody will bring one up. Or someone brings a new girlfriend and they don't know about the things. So they say something innocently like who thinks pink is the best kind of cotton candy. And someone like throws down a turkey leg. How dare you bring up the cotton candy incident? And she's like, what incident? I didn't know. And then fork stab. Or she knew exactly what she was doing. And so she brought it up to stir up trouble because the new girlfriend is also a troublemaker. Oh, my gosh. This is the this is the Duck Dynasty show we all deserved. Oh, yeah. The Instead harsh, of those racists on Duck Dynasty. Harsh Burgers are the new Duck Dynasty. They're the the Bear Dynasty. Yeah. Bear Stearns. So, <laughs> I like it. Bear? Barry? Yeah. Did, does he go by Bear for short? Oh, my God. No. He's a Barry. He's a Barry through He's a Barry. Yeah. He was comforting Mary Beth while she's grieving. He said she would cry every night and he would comfort her. And he comforted her so much that his wife said, stay fresh, cheese bags, and moved out. What? <laughs> Which, if you don't follow us on social media... This is the new meme that I'm obsessed with. I don't follow us on social media. What are you talking about? Someone posted a picture of a bag of cheese and it says stay fresh cheese bags because it's stay fresh cheese bags where they have the little they You stay fresh. You clip it on top. But the meme says just realize the new thing that I can say when I'm leaving a room. Hashtag stay fresh cheese bags. Stay fresh cheese bags. Oh, I'm into that. Yeah, I think it's the new by Felicia. But better. I could see that. So the wife said, stay fresh cheese bags. She moved out. And so he 
Barry moves in to Mary Beth's house. He takes his brother's place. What in the what, Barry? What is going on with you? Calm down. This is ridiculous. I mean, in biblical times, if a wife became a widow, then his brother was supposed to take her on as a wife, which is why you should not do anything according to what it says in the Bible alone. Well, at least maybe the Old Testament. Take a hard look. Take a hard look. But what in the world? So he swears to his family that he's only there for the kids. But everyone around town thinks they are boom, chicka, boom, boom. And were they boom, chicka, boom, boom before Mark that met his That is the question. Maker? Yeah, his he maker's never, Mark. Keith never asked him. What did you say? Nothing. What did you say? A bear bun? It was a, it was a Katie whisper. You caught it. Good for you. Okay. I didn't catch it. Nope, you didn't catch I'm it. I'm going to have to rewind. You're going to have to listen to the episode. <laughs> That's for Cindy, who loves the Katie Whispers. There you go. So the thing I would have liked Keith to have asked, was there anything going on with you guys before? Do you think he did? And Barry's like, I'd like to not discuss it. I feel like they would have left it in. Because that's even more telling. If he says, I don't want to discuss it, they would have aired that for sure. Yeah, they would have aired it. I don't know why it wasn't asked. To me, it seems obvious. What do you think? I mean... I thought no. I honestly, my gut reaction was no. I kind of think no. He was with them on the trip, but I don't, I'm sort of at like 30, 70, where I 30% think it was a yes, 70% think it was no and didn't start till after. Yeah, I'm in the same. I'm in the same place. But it, the episode doesn't give us more details on that. So if anyone has outside info, let us know. Yeah, if anyone knows the harsh burgers, please, please let us know. So he tells Keith, how could they judge me? It's like, I don't judge who they live with. Like, Sure, I'm sleeping with the wife who killed my brother, but my other brother married a Baptist. Live and let live. So, Barry, you were married too, Barry. Your wife of 20 years walked out on you. He's so like, I don't judge who they live with. What, because they live with someone who's left-handed and that makes them a witch or something? Like, there's nothing that compares to what you did. I love justification. That's great. Mark was their brother. I feel like they have every right to have an opinion on this. And you're, you were Mark's brother as well. And there's a possibility that Mary Beth shot him on purpose, Barry. Like, you have to take that into account. Even if you don't believe it, a lot of people do believe it, and including members of your family. Yeah, he's just being ornery. Yeah, he is. He just wants to stir things up. So Keith says to Barry... He's unbearable. Okay, that's it. <laughs> so tactfully, but not really. But it's like so much shade, but not enough that Barry picked up on it. He says, wasn't there a moment where you felt like I'm trespassing on my brother's life? Which is like, Keith could have said, wasn't there a moment you felt like this was inappropriate or maybe mm -hmm. you shouldn't have done this to your brother or like he uses such strong language. And Barry says, my brother's gone. It's no longer his life. And Keith is bewildered. Keith was not expecting that answer, has never heard such an answer from the family member of a loved one yeah. on Dateline. And he doesn't even know how to process it. Like you can tell his synapses are just like going off like these fireworks, like what make it cannot compute what he's saying. 
but it, his brother's gone. It's no longer his life. I don't think Barry meant it that way. I feel like Barry hits back a little hard because Keith hit a little hard. He thinks that that was a little rough of a question. So he answers with a little rough of an answer. You know, it seems a little bit like that rebel thing. I think he thinks he's James Dean. Yes. And he's like, dead is dead. You're worm food. You don't have a life. You're not using it. So and I'm still alive. But you did, Barry. You were married. See, if you were just a single guy out here in the wilderness, just having, you know, doing your thing and hunting your bears and drinking your beers, then that's fine. But you actually had your own marriage. Yes. So I don't know. That's no, Barry. Nice try. Nice defense, Barry, but it's not working for us. Speaking of family and marital issues and being in a love triangle with the ghost of the man you killed, BetterHelp can provide you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home or out hunting in the woods as long as you have cell service. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time like, is this a bear or is this the man I sleep in the same bed with every single night? And your counselor will reply, new phone who dis? No, they will help you because it's their job. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. They're even available in Canada, even though Canada is a magical winter wonderland where no one has problems. I could be wrong about that. That is my perception of the situation. That is 100% correct. Thank you. BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of issues like depression, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus issues, anxiety, general life issues that you just need advice with or someone to help talk things out with. It's easy. It's completely confidential. It's affordable. Contact them today to start living a happier life. As a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, dot com forward slash dateline. And the fireworks are going off outside because they are pumped about you guys taking charge of your mental health. Correct. They're celebrating you right now Aww. because it's the first step towards a better you. Seriously, celebrate yourself with some better help. I love it. This is your Independence Day for the throwing off the old you. You were good. No, you were good with just that. Just to, just leave it at that. Just that. Just leave it at that. Don't don't try to top yourself yet. I got to learn. Great. Yeah. Thank you, better help. <laughs> Thank you, better help. Katie, can we talk about Monk Pack? No. Yes. What would you like <laughs> to talk about? <laughs> I have things to say about Monk Pack. A lot of things to say. Number one, how dare you? Number two, it's delicious. (laughs) Healthy snacks have a worse reputation than Mary Beth has in Pennsylvania because they usually don't taste good or fill you up or satisfy your sweet tooth, but not Monk Pack granola bars, which taste delicious and have one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. I'm not keto, but I do try to count my carbs. And those numbers mean that I could have approximately 33 of these bars in a day. Now, I have not tried that. I've gotten close, though. It's easy to do. They're really good. They're really good. Hashtag challenge accepted. Except they do fill you up. I don't think you could actually yeah, eat I don't 33. Think I could. No. No, I, it wouldn't, I would have to space it out every hour at least because they last you. Yeah, you'd be good after two. After two, you'd be like, I'm done. I'm done. I am satiated. They're also gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO, 
non-soy, no artificial colors, all the good stuff. Monk Pack's Keto Granola Bars have a soft and chewy texture, and they have flavors like coconut, cocoa chip. So good. Peanut butter. It's so good. Blueberry almond. Yes. They remind me of the granola bars from when you're a kid and you go to ride your bike outside or go to play Nintendo. So you have a granola bar first, but these have clean ingredients in them. Oh, they're so much better than those. They're a thousand times. I love them. I did not like those chewy granola bars. These are like, it feels like a gourmet treat. It's just good. I love it. If you're as hooked as we are, you should sign up for the subscription service, which ships them to you automatically and you get 10% off every order. Try it yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code date dateline at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It's backed with 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. I've just, that's insane to me. That's so good. To get started, go to Monk. Pack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K dot com and select any product. Then enter code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Thank you, Monk Pack. Thank you, Monk Pack. They're very, very good. Get your munch on with Monk Pack. All right. Does that at all work? No. Let's stick with their very, very good. <laughs> it's not that great. There's a berry in the episode. That's it, Monk Pack. That's why we did that one. Thank you, Monk Pack. Thank you. We appreciate you. Now, we find out that the Mounties are kind of investigating the crime, though. They do a reenactment. Yes, they do. But for real, so just called a reenactment, in the woods, and the results were inconclusive. They cannot tell if she would be able to see him clearly or not at that time of day and in those conditions. Mm. Mark's dad goes on the offensive and he goes on the news talking about how she's a killer. He even calls the Pennsylvania State Police and says, Dad, the Mounties aren't listening to me, but I totally respect it. And I would do the same thing. So good for him. Dad's a hero. Mary Beth somehow gets the insurance money, even though they didn't want to give it to her at first because she shot him and that whole thing with her her shooting him. But they do eventually give it to her. Which is very strange. How? I don't know. And it's still being investigated. She just doesn't let up. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. I can kind of see her just not getting off the phone. Yeah. And being like, okay, I wanted to speak to your manager's manager. Manager's manager. She's the Uber. Oh, we can't say Karen anymore. So maybe Mary Beth is the new Karen. She's the new, but yes. Yeah. There we go. She's Mary Beth in it up all mm-hmm. over town. There we yes. go. So she starts shooting in local competitions it's good to get right back on that horse it's really not it looks awful before you shoot that horse your hobby shot the man that you supposedly loved so maybe it's time to take up looming or something else (laughs) yes something a little anything else swimming i don't know anything just running you could run baking start becoming really really good at making black forest cake I can think of lots of, well, again, the forest, the woods, he was shot in the woods. Well, but see, it's still better than shooting. Yeah, it's, yeah. It looks better. Yeah. She's, yeah, just for optics alone. Yeah, he wasn't shot in the woods. He was shot in the skitters, in the rut. <laughs> it, was, it was a clearing right next to the woods where the skitters 
were bored. We still don't know what the skitters in the rut are, but that's fine. She also stops Mark's dad and family from seeing the grandkids, which is terrible. We hate when that happens on Dateline. Although when they think you're a murderer and maybe you're not a murderer, I kind of get it. So it's an uncomfortable situation all around. Hmm. On the one year anniversary... Mary Beth calls the local news to do a story about a bench she's put up in honor of Mark. But this is not like a bench in a park like charity benches usually are. It's on her property, which made me laugh so hard. I don't know why. Is the bench made of slate? The bench looks to be made of like tombstone material. I I hate to say it, but there's like a carving in the it's not like it's a bench that stands out in wilderness let's put it that way it's shiny black and it's like well get a wooden bench and wood burn the name into it don't what is this tombstone bench that you have <sighs> she's also dressed up for the news no she hasn't just kidding not at all and she also can i say that she sounds like kermit the frog who smokes three packs a day I said that she, I said Mary Beth is croaking to the news reporter because she's she's talking like this to the reporter. I loved my husband very much. Is that her voice or did, has she just, my thought was maybe she doesn't talk a lot. The reporter's like, what was your relationship with your husband? A lot of people are talking. And she says, I love my, I'm not going to do the voice. I love my husband very much. And he left me. And then they say, what would he think about, what people are saying. And she does this rueful smile and she says, he wouldn't be happy with it. I'm sorry, we're not making fun of people with croaky voices. No, not at all. If you have a croaky voice and you're not a murderer, I love you and think it's charming, delightful, and gives you character. It was not the voice that I expected to come out of her mouth. I was like, what's happening? Oh, clear your throat. (laughs) I was shocked. Because it didn't seem correct. And then with the eyes, I was like, oh, oh, this whole picture of something is horribly wrong here. On the and the bench that doesn't match. And it's on her. It's the whole thing's weird. So the Mounties are still looking into it. They do a second shooting recreation. And it's also inconclusive. So they start to dig into her past. They find out that she spent a day in jail in 02 for assault. Of who? Unsure. Oh, I need to know. Was it someone at the store? I need to know. Yeah. Who was she Mary Bething? I would also like to know exactly what the Mounties were doing in there. Not that I don't trust them, but like what tests did you do that were inconclusive? We don't get any information on that. And I'm really curious. what. Well, if this was a two hour or if Dateline was up there, I feel like we would have gotten to watch the whole recreation. I really wanted to see it. And that would have been great. Darn it. Now, Madge, remember her friend Madge? I do. She says this whole thing has taken a toll on her. She feels so badly. And I was like, why are you so gentle, Madge? Why are you friends with her, Madge? Yeah, Madge is like pure. Like you just look at her. It's like a video of like a little puppy. And you're like, that is so pure. Why is Madge friends with Mary Beth? Are they? (laughs) You've used that voice before and I don't remember who it was for. (laughs) But now I need to. Was it for Marjorie with the attic cheese? Did she sound like that? Maybe she's she reminds me of Marjorie with the attic cheese. They have that similar look in the eye. And I don't know what that look is. Okay, is Madge a church friend? That's possible. Does Mary Beth go to church though? I'm guessing maybe. 
that would seem right that the, that whole community might. And so that's just something you do. Right. But I just am surprised she does. No, I would not be that surprised. Seems like prime hunting hours would be on Sundays when everyone else is at church. No, they go at like five in the morning. Oh, okay. church is later. So they go and then they come back, take a shower and go to church. But I'm thinking that that's the kind of vibes I got from Madge, that this is either like a social worker that like somehow got involved <laughs> and with they're the calling family, it a friend, but like got involved with the family and then became friends with Mary Beth or this is someone from church. It feels like Madge doesn't actually know Mary Beth that well. Correct. But they're calling her a close friend and she's speaking for her on Dateline. I don't know if Mary Beth has close friends besides yeah, I don't think so. Barry. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone's okay. too scared of her, but not Madge. She could snap Madge like a twig. Yeah, I think Madge doesn't know her very well and is doing the good Christian thing here. I just really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. So the Mounties, surprisingly, decide to charge her. I was kind of surprised because they didn't seem to be leaning that way. She fights the extradition for two years, but in 2010, she's sent to Canada. So now she's in jail in Newfoundland. Barry stays loyal to her. He stays at her house in Pennsylvania, supervising the babysitter who is watching the kids. Murder is never on the table. Now, this is what's kind of confusing because everyone in Canada is watching the trial in the news and they're treating it like it's a murder case. But murder's never on the table. They are charging her with death by criminal negligence. So... Keith says to her lawyer, so the court of opinion is charging her with murder, but the court of Canada is charging her with criminal negligence. And I was like, oh, Canada, I'm not that happy with you right now. But then the lawyer explains that even though there's nothing that says evil intent in criminal negligence, like there's no nothing that says I was on purpose being negligent, she could still get a maximum life sentence because Canada takes criminal negligence very seriously. And Canada, I was happy with you once again. It is kind of wild. Because though, here isn't it? it's like, are okay, are you sorry? Just say, oh, you're not sorry? Just say you're sorry. Okay, it's fine. It seems very, it's a non intentional shooting. But it's so negligent, irresponsible, and you cost someone their life. And you had a weapon in your hands. Like, you have to be held responsible. I really respect that. Basically, you can go to prison for life for just being dumb. That's Yeah. You, you made a dumb decision. So yeah. you're going to jail. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the family goes on a dramatic pilgrimage. I love it. To the spot where Mary Beth found her mark. I see what you did there, Keith. That was excellent. It took me a second. Oh, I just realized it. Wow, that was great. Uh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. your alternate title. That's excellent. Oh, Mary yeah. Beth finds None her None of mine are that good. Oh, brother. I know. Keith outdid us. So the trial starts. She elects to be tried by a judge alone and not a jury because her, her lawyer's worried that a jury who knows about the case will be like, well, she's American. We know Americans love their guns. So. Oh, my gosh. I laughed so hard. I was like. You're not going to a jury literally because she's American. Yeah, that checks out. I get it. Canada, we see you. That really made me laugh. The hunting guide takes the stand. Now, my question to him is, is he at all negligible? He is in charge of that party, that hunting party. Is he not? Like, he? they hired him. There's something that's coming that makes me think he 
is kind of in trouble, that he is a little bit at fault in this. There's something that's coming. No, he it's peed not even that. It's, and lost control of the whole situation. Well, we don't know that because he maybe said, hey, Mark, hang back with me while I. Right. And then Mark and Mark just lumbered on. But there's something that is specific to Mark that this guide should have enforced and clearly didn't. Interesting. Yeah. It has to do with apparel. Okay. Yeah. Now the mount. Yes, that's a really good point, actually. That should have been mandatory. Orange, you glad that Katie brought that up, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mounty says on the stand that there was fairly tall grass. And again, how tall the grass is seems to be very important. I'd like to take this opportunity to, again, plead with everyone to watch the movie that still haunts my nightmares ever since I saw it like two years ago, which is In the Tall Grass on Netflix by Stephen King. It is insane. It makes no sense. At the same time, it's haunting. But it's really dumb. But at the same time, it's a little scary. Did they talk about skitters in that? (laughs) There are skitters in the tall grass. And they're in a rut. And that's all I can say about it. But it's a wow. Is it still on Netflix? It's still on Netflix. I would love to have a discussion about it. I would love to do like maybe a recap or watch along on Patreon. I still think about that movie and how it made no sense. I st- it still haunts me. Are you sure it made no sense? I'm going to watch it. Okay, I'm, I'm excited. So they play a recording of Mary Beth describing the shape of the bear. And she's saying... He was round in the back, which made me feel like he had a little chunky booty, which sounds adorable. And I don't want to kill a bear with a chunky booty who has all that jelly that we're not ready for. I think all the bears have jelly. Jelly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bears, honey, jelly. He was low to the ground. He had the head of a bear. And then they ask her, do you now know what you shot at? And she does this rueful laugh. Where she's like, yeah, my husband. I didn't see him, but he's dead. Mm, something something about Mary Beth. You know what I just realized, Katie? In all of these recordings, her voice does not sound like it does on the bench. Oh my gosh, it doesn't. So she was sick on the bench. She must have been sick on the bench. And we've made fun of a woman with influenza. But it's fine. She deserves it. It's startling on the bench. <laughs> yeah. But she's laughs. They say, so now you know who you shot at? And she's like, "Eh, yeah, my husband. I didn't see him, but he's dead. So there's that. That's the crux of the situation. I didn't see him, but he's dead. So she was asked about life insurance. And she's telling the police. Now, this is the recording the night it happened. Right. This is she's with the Mounties the night that it happened. Mm -hmm. So she should be very upset. Mm -hmm. She says, he has some through work. We have one through New York Life that's worth $100,000. And we just got some through State Farm in May that's worth $500,000 just on him. And so they ask her, a woman who just accidentally shot her husband, would you be able to provide, I mean, I'm so, I don't expect you to be able to do it now because you obviously should be very upset. You just shot your husband. But like, it could you at some point give me the phone numbers of those life insurance? And she goes, I can give them to you right now. State Farm is area code 570-836. Please off the number. What is happening here? 
And then she says, well, my representative at this one, she's a good friend of mine. So then I was like, uh, but is this her work number? You have it memorized. She lists off the phone number for her representative, which I'm assuming is her work number that she has memorized. How many times has she called these people? Why does she know the number? Okay. Is this like a friend like Madge is a friend where you know them, but they're not a friend? Or is this someone that works? Is this the work one? So it's somebody that worked with Mark that she was legitimately a friend with. It's like a friend of the family that helps with the insurance for their company. But then why would she know their main number, too? Okay, well, that, that this is the crux of the whole thing. It's why does she know the State Farm? Why does she know any of these numbers? Why does she know any of these numbers? And why did they get so much more insurance on him five months before the accident and only on him? Why does she know the numbers by heart? Why does she know the numbers? So, I mean, maybe, I don't know if there's somebody out there that knows numbers like that. I would guess like maybe somebody that has a photographic memory for names or things like that. But it's startlingly, it's shocking that she would know the number of a company. A company that you probably only called a few times five months ago when you set up the policy. I know one phone number, yours. I have to look up Oliver's phone number every single time I have to write it down because I keep transposing two of these numbers. I know it's not my fault. It's got like a block in my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it does spell something and he's told me 50 times that it spells something. (laughs) So yeah, it's fine. I'm just saying like, I've never seen that before. Do you know numbers like that? You don't, right? No, no. In fact, I have a hard time remembering numbers like that. Even if I try to make it have a dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. I wish we could have gotten some backstory. Like maybe her defense attorney could have said, you can ask her any phone number. She knows them all. Like then I would have said, oh, okay, that's just a quality that she has. Not this is the number that I called a few times five months ago. It seems also a little bit sinister that she has them at the top of her head. So we do need to kind of know, is this something that she just does? Because just knowing them off the cuff seems too ready. Yeah. Like the fact that they don't even want to ask her because she should be so upset, but so shook if that she just killed her husband and she's like, oh yeah, no, it's no, it's no problem. So this one's fine. You know, like she, it's strange. So now all of the allegations that Mark was scared of Mary Beth are not allowed in the trial because they aren't saying that she shot him on purpose. It's only about criminal carelessness because Canadians are too nice to imagine that it was on purpose. It's literally what it sounds like. They repeat it 10 times. We'll say it again. They were not saying she did it on purpose by any means. And I was like, I think she might have, guys. Like, she, there's a chance here. There's a chance. Don't underestimate this. No, they're like, no, it's a, who, what wife would kill her husband? Eh? I love that world. I love that world they live in. That sounds lovely. This was what Katie might be talking about. So the lodge owner, when he takes the stand, says, it's possible that Mark looked like a bear. He was wearing navy blue coveralls. And remember, it was early evening, kind of dusk. He had a dark beard, to Mm -hmm. which point I yelled out, was his beard covering all of his skin like a werewolf? Because that's the only way that makes sense to me. No, but if he was wearing a cap pulled down, absolutely. It would be the majority of his face would be furry. And then they make the lodge owner describe how bears walk. 
and move. And he's like, they get up on, like, why are they asking this lodge owner? The hunting guide should have been the one. The lodge owner's like, they get up on their hind legs and they sniff. Was there a demonstration in the court? Did someone have to get up and act like a bear? And then her lawyer says, Mark was walking like a bear. To which I said, if it walks like a bear and it talks like a bear, it's your husband. It's your husband. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Mm-hmm. He was maybe lumbering because he was trying to climb over those rocks and make his way through the four foot grass and the skitters. Skitters. Yeah. Skitters in the rut. Yeah. And so maybe that was why he looked like a bear. But to Katie's point, was he not wearing any orange? Any bright safety color. Why was that not enforced, especially in the early evening when it's getting dark? And especially if you're specifically shooting animals that are the height of a human. Yeah. You know, that seems like you're not, you know, shooting birds. You're not out there doing pheasants or or something that's a smaller animal. You're going after large game that could be upright. I would be dressed like a pumpkin, head to toe orange. Like a highlighter or one thing, just a vest. And just a vest when you're like, If you need to take it off when you're out there because somehow it's disrupting something, okay. But if you're walking back in, which is what they were doing, you'd put your safety color back on. You'd put it back on. You're literally walking towards the shooter. Knowing that she's going to be aiming. Right. I just, that's very strange to me. I feel like this hunting guide is not that good at his job. Well, and Mark knows better. What does Mark do? Yeah, really experienced hunters. It's very odd to me. It's very odd. Especially based on what Barry is wearing in his interview. But I think Kip is getting some one-star Yelp reviews for this. Oh, yeah. I Especially think Kip... if he's lost to other hunters, which I feel like he has. Oh, yeah. I think Kip had to move across Canada. He's now working out in Banff. Yeah. So the judge takes a week to ruminate on his verdict. A week. And then he takes what felt like a week to read his verdict. Mm-hmm. He reads from a 35-page thesis paper, I'm not exaggerating, which I'm assuming talked a little about Mary Beth and hunting, but mostly was about his thoughts on his favorite season of Degrassi, which is when Sean was troubled. Oh no, that's every season. And then halfway through page 30, the lawyer said he finally got to the point and started to say things like, We all make mistakes. Humans aren't perfect. Accidents happen. Blah, blah, blah. The charges are dismissed. Shocked. Shocked. I thought for sure he was going to say, we all make mistakes, but sometimes we have to pay for those mistakes. I was waiting for that line. And that line. Yeah. No, no, ma'am. Nope. Didn't didn't happen. Nope. She starts sobbing in relief. She goes back to Pennsylvania and waves to the Mounties, stay fresh, cheese bags. And she goes back to her Hummer and her Porsche, because apparently she had a Hummer and a Porsche and this beautiful, very large home that they have that Mark's job paid for. He did very well. And she goes back to her super hot, totally dressed up for Dateline boyfriend, Mark's brother, Barry. But wait. This was the OMG moment. Seriously, this was the mic drop of the episode. Barry has run off with the babysitter. 
Barry is such a player. Oh my gosh. Was supervising the babysitter who was watching the children while she was in jail. They run off and get married. How old is the babysitter? How old is the babysitter? A couple thoughts. I was happy because I feel like Mary Beth deserves it. But also, where are the children? Who's watching the children now? They're so confused. This is not right. They've had first their daddy's gone and then their uncle moves in. And then the uncle leaves with the babysitter that they had grown attached to while their mother was in jail. They're going to be like, is this our new mommy? Nope. They leave the kids behind. Oh, my gosh. This is awful. What is happening in this family? Seriously. I just I can't. But what's even funnier, which I just thought of, is like, what does the family think about Barry now? I know. I thought about that how much they despised what he was doing when he just moved in with Mary Beth. And then he left Mary Beth for the babysitter. I think they're delighted. I think they're super happy. That he left Mary Beth? And do they welcome the babysitter with open arms at Thanksgiving? Like, is Barry even allowed at Thanksgiving? No, Barry, no. Barry's done. Like, I think this might be it. That might be it, yeah. So Keith tells us that Dateline met with Mary Beth And at this point, Keith is sitting on an outdoor patio of a penthouse, maybe. And there are French doors behind him that are ajar. So you think someone's going to join him any second and hand him a brandy, but it never happens. So why are those doors halfway open? Unsure. Hmm. You know, like on TV, you're usually supposed to like either have them closed or open all the way. Nothing that will draw attention to the eye and distract you from the host. And the fact that they were halfway open was very distracting to we me. We had a few distractions behind people in this episode. <laughs> Interesting choices. Yeah. So he tells us they met with Mary Beth and we're like, what? Where is she? We want to I want to hear if her voice is froggy. What's happening? And she changed her mind. She agreed to do the interview, but then she says, no, I won't do the on-camera interview. I don't care what people think about me, especially Mark's family. Stay fresh cheese bags. Wow. So we don't get our interview with Mary Beth. Really disappointed. Really, really disappointed. Very disappointing. And to end the episode with our all the things that happened after, Mark's dad put a gravestone out in the woods where they would hunt. Very sweet. And just as sentimental is Mary Beth, who sent her lawyer a token of her appreciation, which is a bumper sticker that said, it is as bad as it gets and they are out to get you. Oh, great. Let's make Mary Beth definitely make yourself the victim in all of this. You should absolutely do that because it's really likable. Also, what is he going to do with that? Is he going to put that on his Lexus? I don't think so. And he got you out of jail for the rest of your life. And you gave him a bumper sticker that you probably got at Spencer's Gifts. This is what edible arrangements are for. If nothing (laughs) else, they're for this. This is the moment. You're right. Right you are. Yes. Yeah. A big one. A A big big one with the chocolate covered fruits. Yes. Come on. Not just the cantaloupe and the honeydew. Light on the melon. Yeah. Yeah. Light on the melons, please. Mm -mm. Feels like an F you to me. Like... Here's a bumper sticker. It's kind of a jerk move. I feel like it's a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah. You didn't do that great Uh, of a job. But he saved her from getting life in prison. He sure did. Mary Beth, I'm disappointed in you. That's really not good. So this episode is dedicated to 
someone very special, two very someone specials. We have a new pillar of the community. Oh, my word. On Patreon. That is an official sponsor of the show. That is what you become. And our new pillar of the community are Killer Queens, the podcast you know you love, you know and you love, you know you love them also. And they are featured in Cosmo and Marie Claire's top podcast lists. They are Southern sisters, which means they're doing, they have slight accents, which means that our accents last week were just really, really bad, I think. And this is what actual Southern people sound like. Sisters Tori and Tyrella love them. They're so sweet. We've been friends with them probably since our show started. I think in probably 2017 or 18, we first did a promo swap with them and we love them. They do killer 90s references. Their logo is basically if Saved by the Bell and Lisa Frank had a baby. It's like super 90s. It's so cool. And I love them. I suggested them to my mom and now she is obsessed with them and she listens constantly. So it's Joni approved. I can't say enough good things. You guys, killer queens. They're the killer queens. Gunpowder, turpentine, dynamite with a laser beam. Guaranteed to (laughs) To blow blow your your mind. mind. (laughs) Seems also almost offensive in this episode. Oh, Yeah, it's really hard to do lyrics that are not offensive in this episode. Not on purpose. Thank you so much, ladies. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Tori and Tyrella. We love you guys. So make sure that you're following them. Give them five stars. All of the goodness. They're great on social media, too. So definitely be following them. Did you do a Real Housewives intro? You bet I did. Oh, my gosh. Okay, For Miss Mary Beth. Who else? I know. No one else. Yeah. I guess Madge. No, Madge, Madge is too sweet. Madge is not a housewife. No. Madge would get literally eaten alive. Like, I don't mean metaphorically eaten alive on The Real Housewives. She would get literally eaten alive by those pack of wolves on yeah. that show. Yeah, agreed. All right, what do you have? Okay, you have to, like, picture the turnaround really dramatically. Yep, I'm picturing. Mm-hmm. We do need music. We need music. We need music, yeah. Turnaround. It's not just my looks that shoot to kill. Ooh, that's very good. Thank you. Okay. We're, she's doing the turnaround. We're doing the turnaround when we say it. Okay. Turnaround. When I have something I want in my sights, watch out, because I'm a perfect shot. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. Two, I have two more. All right. Oh, my God. Turnaround. I'm a huntress in the wilderness of life, and no one better get in my crosshairs. Ooh. Okay, and one more. Sorry, I couldn't even read my own writing. My contact's acting up. Okay, here we go. Turn around. In this crazy game of life, I hunt the most dangerous game of all. She's got a bunch. She's got three. She's so proud of what she did, guys, that she even made it her tagline when she's on Real Housewives in our imagination. Yeah. Oh, oh, I always do it about the crime. I'm trying to incorporate the crime every time. Yeah. Yeah. They are fully brazenly bragging about it in their tagline. And Andy Cohen is like, are you sure we're kind of trying to play up like maybe you're innocent and that because we don't want to get heat for casting an actual murderer on our show. And they're like, no, no, this is my thing, Andy Cohen. I'm sorry. I think Andy Cohen writes them. I think they're choosing from a list. I don't think any of the housewives write them. I think there's maybe like two that do and they brag about it a lot. Like, you know, the other ladies don't write their own. Right, exactly. And they think they're And they like throw subtle digs. You know, Ramona doesn't write her own. 
Yeah, Ramona doesn't even brush her own teeth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not convinced. Yeah. She... Okay. Aw. B-roll. No, don't aw. No, not aw. Uh-uh. B-roll. Okay, there's so many dead animals. There, Yeah, there are a few. The The main one that I was focused on is behind Barry most of the time in his interview. Okay. You saw it, right? I don't know if I saw that one. There's a giant taxidermied what appears to be a fox. Gotcha. Or a white wolf of some kind. I don't know what it was, but it's right over his shoulder. And anytime the shot pans wide. It was confusing at first because they're pretty zoomed in on his face. And then as soon as they open wider, you're like, oh, who's that? (laughs) (laughs) I was so distracted by what he was wearing. I think I blocked out anything else. Yeah, I was surprised that I thought you might not have seen it because you hadn't mentioned it yet. No, I didn't. I didn't notice. Also, when I see dead animals, I tend to block it out to psychologically save myself from the trauma, perhaps. There's a photo of Mark holding a baby while he's fishing. Yes. Which I thought was funny because they would just like probably shoot with the baby. I don't know if they shot with the baby in no, their hands. they but wouldn't. I, not with the ears because they're, they're sensitive when they're that little. That's why I feel like they must have had headphones on. The I hope they had headphones. Mark with so many dead animals. Like one, they're lined up in a row. I think they're skunks or something. And there's like eight of them in a row. There's so just so with a dead bear. There's the picture of him with a dead. It's very hard to watch if you are at all sensitive to it. And also lots of taxidermy in the actual house. What appeared to look like a mini pony taxidermy. I couldn't see it, but I was like, that's either a stuffed horse or an actual taxidermy mini pony. They kill a mini pony? I think it wasn't. I think it was a toy. I think it was like a really cool rocking horse that looked like a a pony, but I couldn't tell. I rewound several times because I was like, you wouldn't. Don't do that. Unless it was your friend and you want to keep him forever. (laughs) He was your pet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah. Mm -mm. It was rough. We also see Mark's dad walking through the river and looking at photos. Yeah. Very classic. Mm Mm-hmm but mainly just so many photos of Mark with different animals. Oh, yeah. Quite a few. That were not alive. But it doesn't seem like that was a hobby shared by the other people in the family. They don't talk about it themselves much besides Barry. It just seemed a Mary Beth Mark thing. But Barry. 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 Yeah, and Barry. For sure, Barry. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do your theory or do you want to do fashion police first? Okay, so is it possible at all that Barry was involved? Because... He was hunting at a different spot, so they said they dropped him off and then went to this other location. That would mean that Mary Beth, though, was taking the fall for Barry, and I think she's way too selfish for that. You think she would have turned him in? I kind of do. Yeah, me too. Is it possible that Barry called to Mark, that Barry was in on it in a different way, said, Mark, help, help, or something like that. So that's why Mark lumbered out away from the guide. But how would they know that the guide was going to take that moment to pee and wouldn't have heard Barry calling for him? So Kip was in on it, too. They gave Kip a cut of the money. I think Kip was involved. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Kip got a cut. I think we've nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. All right. What if it was an actual bear? Do bears, they were like, we're done, you guys. It's time the bears strike back. Revenge. I think their nails are too long. (laughs) To work that trigger. Could you imagine? Poof. Like they're just fuzz with the nails. They're trying to, they're trying to grip it. Not little nails. Giant nails. Clank, 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 clank. 
It's like somebody trying to type with the long nails. It's like when you have really long fingernails, like your manicure is way too long and you can't use your phone. Can't do anything. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's do fashion police. Yes, please. Okay, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) So Barry is wearing an orange hat. He's literally wearing the hat that Mark should have been wearing to prevent himself from getting shot. The whole time I was like, well, Barry is... Is he doing that on purpose? It has a deer on it, first of all. Well, it's John Deere. Yeah. John. Oh, was it John Deere hat? I think it might have been. We do see like a John Deere tractor at one point. Yeah. This episode was sponsored by John Deere. I thought it was like an actual deer. It might be, but it is a hunting, like it's a hunting color. Full on hunting color. Safety color. Yeah. Safety mm-hmm. color. And then his shirt is camo. It looks like it's pressed camo. So, I mean, he ironed it. Well... Or it's new. It's new. That's effort. But it is the kind of thing where you don't think this person is going to be in the episode long because they came from something and have something else to get to right after, which is why they're wearing this outfit. No, they spent a full day interviewing Barry, and that's what he chose. So that's his attire. Yeah, I don't think he owns anything else. Now, Keith, he's out in the cold in like a black kind of pea coat and Burberry scarf. Was it? I thought it was a red flannel shirt underneath. I thought it, it's a red Burberry plaid, which is what it looks. It looked to me like that. It looked okay. like a red Burberry plaid. I can buy scarf. that for sure. Let's just say he looks out of place. He looks too good for those woods. Too nice. He's rumbling through the <laughs> skitters in the rut and he's going to snag in his Burberry. cashmere coat. In Burberry and cashmere, probably. It's worrisome. And he looks cold. In the face, he looked cold. Well, he's been in America for too long, and he's not used to the Canadian climate anymore. Okay. He still seemed at home, though. I don't know. He does still seem calm and at home. Yeah. But he does look very, he looks very nice the entire episode, actually. He does. Yeah. Mary Beth on the news, she did not dress up. Okay. I think that she also wears hunting clothes all the time. I think she's got her wedding dress and her hunting clothes and nothing in the middle. Yeah. So this was her in the middle outfit, I guess. But then what does she wear to church? Hunting clothes. (laughs) Here we go. Just that's it. That's what she's got. Is there a thing like cowboy church, but for hunters? So it's like hunting church where it's all kind of themed like around hunting and you can totally wear your camo and your hunting gear. Well, you can wear whatever you want to church. Yeah, but it's kind of frowned upon to wear certain things. I think that's only at certain. I think that's only certain denominations, number one. And then in certain parts of the country, I think that if this is like country folk, so the church is probably small. Mm-hmm. I think everybody goes in that. I think it's just what their church does. OK, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. They did not put Mary Beth in nice clothes for the trial. No, she dressed herself. She's not going to let anyone else dress her. Mary Beth gives me the willies a little bit. I have to say she's the Marjorie. Like the attic cheese. There's something unpredictable about her. And it, so it makes everything like around her seem off, right? Well, there's like a green mid-sleeve shirt over a shirt with white poofy lace sleeves that clearly don't go together. 
She borrowed from Madge. Yeah, maybe from Madge. But she, Madge was like watching on TV going, not together, Mary Beth. You don't wear those together. You put the short sleeve shirt over the poofy sleeves. You look like Prince, for God's sakes. What are you doing? Because tonight we're going to party like it's... Oh, that is correct. That's exactly what happened. And her lawyers like tried to fix her, but they learned on day one, you do not help. I feel like she just does not care. Yeah. That's not her thing. Yeah. Clearly. Which I respect because that's how I dress all the time. If I were on trial for murder, I would put more effort into it because you do want to dress a certain way to appear a certain way to the judge or the jury. In this case, it was just the judge. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you would know not to put those two things on at the same time. No, that's what I'm saying. I would know and I would put in more effort. I'm saying in my day-to-day life, I totally give no Fs and I dress horribly. When I go out grocery shopping, it's embarrassing. But if I were in this situation on the news, I would ask someone for help and I would dress appropriately. The reporter is also like kind of dressed up. Yeah. uh, Sitting on this bench and also extremely animated. So in contrast to him with the voice, with the kind of strange answers and with the outfit look, it's a vast discrepancy between the two people. And I think that's what also gets you. And it's the same thing in court. If her lawyer's wearing a suit and she's wearing a double shirt, she put on all the shirts. (laughs) You don't watch Friends, but there's an episode where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. Literally everything in his closet. And he's like a state of marshmallow. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's kind of what that's like. She's like, what? They put two options in the cell and she just <laughs> put them on. it both on. I'm not going to change now. It's too late. I don't think Mary Beth is a good listener. No, not She's at all. really good at memorizing phone numbers, but she's not a good listener. It's not great. All right. Do you have titles? Yeah. An unbearable defense. Oh, that's great. I was trying so hard to get somewhere. I got barely alive and that's not even good because it doesn't work. Okay, an unbearable defense. That's perfect. The love story of Mark and Mary Death. Ooh. Oh, look at you. And then Keith, Mary Beth found her Mark, which I think is the best one. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, that's the perfect one. I'm not even going to do mine. No, yes, you have to. Okay, but that's still the best one. It is. I didn't have that great, actually, because I spent a lot of time on my housewives. That's clear. You did put a lot of work into those. Scoping out danger, a bear of a crime, hunt a killer. I don't know why. A good shot in the dark, a brush with death because you were in the brush. (laughs) Okay. And Uh then skitters in the rut, jitters in the courtroom. Because they said she had jitters. She was jittery when the verdict was read. That's it. it. I like it. Mm-hmm. I got real stuck on Skitters. I sort of wanted to be my nickname. Skitter? Yeah, Skitter. Okay. Hey, Skitter. Okay, from now on, I'm Kimber. She's Skitter. Kimber and Skitter. Oh, that sounds adorable. That sounds like we're maybe like a children's group that sings songs, like you had like the Wiggles or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Kimber and Skitters. <laughs> oh, Mark right, Aging and Kimberly. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. there for it. I'm going to bop up. I'm going to change the lyrics to some popular teen songs so they're not so sexual. And we're going to perform them along with a triangle. One of us has to play an actual instrument, though. We need like a, a recorder and a, a ukulele. A ukulele. Yeah. But are, isn't there a ukulele kids group? We have we can't maybe a harp, <laughs> like a giant <laughs> instrument. It's so hard to tour with, though. 
can't travel. My arms aren't long enough for a harp. I don't think I, you're going to have to do the harp. so impressive on stage that you just wheel out the big harp. Like the music. It's a showstopper. Yeah, it totally is. It, it is. It's delightful. But nobody wants to book you because it's <laughs> obnoxious. Yeah. Obnoxiously large. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's what I was trying to say. We have gotten the like the funniest review that I read lately was like the ones that say a chance for Kaylee. Hilarious. And then some of them just say, and that's what I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Kills me. And then someone someone wrote, I loved it until I lost an earbud. Now I can only hear Kimberly or Katie. Not sure. Whomever it is that talks on the left. <laughs> that's great. I love it. Oh, that's really good. Come on. You guys, we love everybody that's left reviews. So, so funny. And consider becoming part of our Patreon community. And we do a bonus episode every month. And this last one had Southern accents galore. Did I say they were good? I did not say they were good. Like too but much, they were, though. They were there. They made a presence. And did how is your B-roll or your B-roll picture contest that's not a contest going? Gotten some more. I've got, I started to get some animals, which I love. Some dogs, a cat. I got a chipmunk and it's amazing. And then I said I wanted a turtle or some sort of lizard a la blood relatives. And I got one. I haven't posted it yet. Are people going through blood relatives withdrawal? It's been a few weeks. We have one coming soon. Get ready. Yeah. It's a doozy. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Most importantly, Mm -hmm. stay fresh, cheese bags. Oh, boy. And most importantly, Kimber, I love you. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Love you, Skitter. I think we completely forgot to say what we think happened. We did. What do you think happened? Oh, I need more information, but I do. My gut is saying that she did. She wasn't sad enough. Yeah. That she did it. Yeah. My it, the thing that gets me is the friends saying that Mark said she's going to shoot me and she's not going to miss. And I wish we had heard more about to verify that story. I think the thing that gets me is the one life insurance policy on him for half a million. Yeah. That's quite a jump. But they did just have a baby like five months before. So some people probably up their life insurance when they have another kid. Is that true? I don't know. I would guess. Five times the amount of yeah, the other. It's kind of crazy. That's kind of nuts. She got quite a bit of money enough. And then also what got me was the Porsche and the Hummer. Yeah. She bought a Porsche and a Hummer. Yeah. And you have kids to feed. Does she have a job? Well, he made 60000 a year, they said, which I guess goes very far in rural Pennsylvania. Maybe. But enough for a Porsche and a Hummer? I don't know. I Yeah, I'm definitely leaning towards she did it. If I had to do a percentage wise, I am at... 80% it was on purpose. What makes you think it wasn't? The fact that it was evening. Yeah. And the brush. And the fact that he wasn't wearing any bright colors. The clothes got me. When they said he was lumbering out because he's trying and remembering how Keith walked through an area like that. And Keith, who's pretty graceful, I was like, mm. He's a gazelle on his feet. He could have just been trudging through and she's seeing something moving. And I don't know, though. I don't I've never looked through a scope of a gun. So I don't know how clearly you're seeing through that. That's what it's for. It's like it's it was a light enhancing and like magnifying. So how far does that scope is that scope supposed to see clearly? Right. 
I don't know in those conditions. But I, in fact, the fact that she can shoot pill bottles and was like winning competitions. I think the only other thing I can think of is to give her the benefit of the doubt is that she, it was their last night. She had not caught a bear and Mark had caught a bear. She was so eager to get a bear that she was like not following all of the normal protocols that she would. Then why wouldn't you say that at trial? Wouldn't Dateline have showed us that she said that and given us that at least? She didn't say a lot of things she should have said. She's not very articulate. And not in the right tone of voice. Exactly. That also got me the interview. Like her her as a person does not seem not guilty. Let's put it that way. Right. Her as a person seems like she did it Correct. on purpose. Yeah. She's not upset in the interview right no. after. And then she's not upset later. No. She's not upset at any point. And you have a history of violence. That's, I mean. Yes. And Barry is saying that she cries every night and I just don't buy it. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Did you see real tears? That's what I want to know, Barry. When did she break down crying? Someone says, oh, but she broke down crying. Was it when she heard the verdict? Yes. Do we see her break down crying? We see her being let out and they say she's breaking down crying. She's not really crying that hard. And I didn't see tears. But again, People cry for themselves all the time on Dateline when they're not crying for the person they killed. If when it has to do with them and their life, they cry real tears. I'm going to need to see real tears from her. So I'm leaning towards that she did it on purpose. And I'm shocked that Canada did not even try for that. And maybe that's why she did it in Canada. I feel like she definitely. Yeah. If she did her research. You guys, let us know what you think on this one. If you have good arguments for why she didn't, let us know. Yeah. Not if she did, if she didn't. Yeah. What would be the biggest tell on this after watching it? I'm just curious. Also, were her and Barry boning ahead of time? Thank you. Oh, the Barry bone. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye.